May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. All right, today we wrap up the message series Inside Out by talking about the subject of forgiveness. Now, for Christ followers, for people that call themselves Christians, there is no bigger issue, no bigger topic than the topic of forgiveness. Because look, as Christians, as Christ followers, we should be the most forgiving people in the world, right? Yeah. Now, sometimes we're not, though. Because as a pastor, I can tell you, I have seen unforgiveness be responsible for more divorce, more broken relationships between family members, more business partners and those partnerships ending up in hatred, more friends and siblings become rivals all because of unforgiveness, really more than any other single thing I've ever seen, another single uh, topic that would be responsible for those things. And here's the worst thing, unforgiveness left undealt with, it can stick in your heart for years. And for some people, a lifetime. For instance, last year, last year, I saw a 24-year marriage end in divorce. And it was all because of unforgiveness. Because 18 years earlier in the marriage, and I don't have permission from them to share the details, but I can share this with you. 18 years earlier in the marriage, the wife did something that the husband just would not forgive her for. And so for 18 years, he punished her with his words and with his anger. And so finally, she just got so sick of it, she had an affair and walked out. But it was, it was all so unnecessary. Because it was all because of this unforgiveness. And get this, even now, the guy still hasn't forgiven her for what she did, what is now 19 years ago. And because of, and while he was going through this divorce, his performance at work started to slip, so much so that his project manager fired him. And so literally, his unforgiveness cost him his marriage and his career. Now, the part of the problem with unforgiveness is that it's hard to see. Because unforgiveness oftentimes, oftentimes masks itself with anger and bitterness and resentment and, and, you know, just sort of those sorts of feelings. And so sometimes unforgiveness is unrecognizable to us. We just don't see it because, you know, we just think, oh, you know, that person's just mad or that person's angry or maybe that person's just moody, but they're not. Sometimes there's something deeper going on. And so here, I want you to write this down. So go ahead and put your message. This is your first feeling. Write this down. Often, unforgiveness fuels anger and resentment, and anger and resentment cannot be fixed until what is fueling it is fixed. And oftentimes, what fuels anger and resentment is unforgiveness. Look, this, this is why sometimes in marriage, you know, we get blamed for things that, like, we don't really understand, you know, because, um, because look, this, your spouse isn't really mad that you didn't empty the dishwasher, okay? 
Actually, they probably are mad that you didn't visit the drugstore. So forget, that's a terrible example. But have you, have, you figured, have you figured out that in marriage sometimes that the degree of anger does not match the degree of the offense? Have you seen that before? That, and so, you know, there's this, this anger that is escalated, but the offense is just not that big of a deal. And you're just like wondering, like, why is there this mismatch? Well, sometimes... That's because there is some latent unforgiveness from the past that hasn't been dealt with, and that's what's fueling that anger. And so when the amount of anger and the degree of the offense don't match, it might be because there's some unforgiveness that's fueling that, and it's not going to get fixed until what's fueling it gets fixed. Students, this is why, like at school, like... Your teacher sometime might just go off in class, and you're thinking, what is that? Or adults, this is why sometimes your boss will just go crazy and just blow something out of proportion, and when you realize, you're looking at it like, that is so inconsequential. Well, the reason might be because they're carrying around this unforgiveness from something that happens in the past, and so... It, it just comes out, and it just, it just blows up on you. And then, Now, look, teenagers, look, if, if your teacher, like, blows up in class, please don't just stand up and say, oh, looks like someone's got some unforgiveness. <laughs> like, I, that's going to go badly for you, like, every time, okay? But look, look, I think here's my point. If, if the degree of the offense doesn't match the degree of anger so much so that your reaction to it is like, what was that all about? I can tell you. It's about some unforgiveness that's gone undealt with for far too long. Far too long. So look, if we don't want to become like that, like if we want happier marriages, healthier home environments, and you know, more pleasant workplaces, look, then we need to make sure that we aren't harboring any unforgiveness. Uh, and look, and all this, this isn't just like some sort of psychology mumbo jumbo, okay? This is exactly the situation that the Apostle Paul describes as what was going on in the church of Ephesus during the first century, okay? The Apostle Paul, he saw that the Christians... In the, in the church in Ephesus in the first century, okay, these are the Christians that are in the church. These are not people out in the community. These are people inside the church, okay? He's, he's going to tell us that these people, they were angry, they were resentful, they were bitter, they, had, they, they were mad at one another, and it was tearing the church apart from the inside, and it was making these people poor representatives of Christ to other people in the community that were watching, but hey, Christ followers, we're supposed to be the most forgiving people in the world, right? But that wasn't true of the people in first century Ephesus. Look what Paul says to them. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, he says this. He says to them, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So look, it, it, it's clear from this passage that there was a lot of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. Look, just to name a few things that were going on in the church, all of them were malicious in their intent. I mean, can, honestly, can you imagine what it was like to go to church there in the first century? Oh my goodness. I mean, can you imagine 
the conversation that people were having and just how angry and how filled with bitterness their words were with one another. Can you imagine the icy stares that people gave to one another in that church? I mean, can, can you imagine what it would be like to show up there as a guest on a Sunday going, oh my goodness, this is so awkward. And the Bible says there was even brawling going on in the church. Brawling? Really? I mean, so there were people, I mean, can you imagine people out in the lobby brawling over the last cup of donut holes? I mean, really? Now look, it was the last blueberry cake. Like, that I could understand. But like, seriously, brawling in the church? I mean, come on. But that's what he says it was like. Now, so here's what it was like in the, if you were to look at the hearts of the people in the church of Ephesus. If you could look at their hearts... Essentially, you would have seen a hatchet. Now, we don't know the details. Paul doesn't give us the details of what they were angry about. But what we do know is that through all of their anger and their bitterness and their brawling and their slander and their resentment and other forms of malice, that these people were essentially chopping up their relationships with one another. That's what they were doing in the church of Ephesus. And since Paul says that the solution is forgiveness, we know that what was fueling all of that anger was unforgiveness from things that happened in the past. And that's what was fueling all of their anger, bitterness, rage, slander, brawling, malice, all of those things. And so what does Paul tell them to do? He says, just get rid of it. He says, just get rid of it. Hey, you got some anger? Man, just get rid of that. Hey, you want to brawl? Look, just get rid of that. You got some resentment? Just get rid of it. Just, just get rid of it. To which you and I go, what are, what are you kidding me? Like, just get rid of it? Like, I have all of these feelings because that person did something to me and I am so, so angry about that. And your advice to me is, just get rid of it. Like, how do you do that? How do you even just, how do you just get rid of feelings, Paul? That is so impractical and so unhelpful. To which Paul would say, he's like, well, what you really need to do is you've got to get rid of whatever it is that's fueling all of that bitterness and resentment. And for you, that's unforgiveness. And so if you and I, if we would really learn to genuinely forgive, like truly forgive someone for what they've done, if we could authentically forgive, then we could get rid of it. We, we could just get rid of it. We could get rid of it just like, just like throwing down a hatchet if we genuinely forgave someone. To which you and I, we would say to Paul, we'd say, hey, look, Paul, look, you don't understand because I, I need to tell you what they did to me because look, you need to hear this. Here, here's, what, here, here's my story. And, and Paul would say, no, 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 look, I don't need to know your story. I don't need to know your sad story because you just need to forgive. No, hold on, wait, wait a minute, Paul, hold on. If you knew my side of things, then you would know what that person, Paul would say, oh, time out, I just interrupt. Say, stop, stop, stop. I don't need to know your side of the story. I'm telling you, you need to forgive. Just as God forgave you through Christ, you need to forgive that other person. See, the problem for us is that a lot of times we think about forgiveness incorrectly. We, we tend to think about forgiveness in terms of an apology. You know, like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry that that happened, or I'm so sorry that I did that, or I'm so sorry that I said that. Would you please accept my apology? And that's fine, because that addresses the incident, 
but it does nothing to address the relationship. Or we think about forgiveness in terms of, you know, like forgive and forget. You ever heard that before? Yeah, forgive and forget. That's terrible. That's a terrible approach. Because how in the world are you really supposed to forget? Because that attitude says that somehow, we're, that true forgiveness really means that we're supposed to somehow Pretend that that never happened, and we're supposed to forget about it like it never occurred. How, do you, how, do, how can you really pretend that something that never happened? Especially something like abuse or rape. Are we really supposed to just pretend that that never occurred? No. And that's actually not what Paul is saying. He's not saying that. He's not saying that you need to pretend that nothing happened. That would be ridiculous. And so let me be clear, Okay. Just because you forgive someone doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go back into that relationship with that person. And just because you truly forgive someone doesn't mean that you necessarily trust them again because that person might not be trustworthy. So, how should we understand forgiveness? Well, you need to write this down. This is your next fill-in. In the Bible... Forgiveness is always described in terms of a debt-debtor relationship. Always. It's always in terms of a debt-debtor relationship. That means that one person is indebted to another person. And forgiveness only happens when that other person forgives the debt, cancels out the debt. And Paul says that the model for us is what God did for us through Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at this. This is the same verse that we just read. I've just kind of pulled this part of it out. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, forgiving each other, and I want you to underline this, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, let's unpack this just for a moment, okay? The Bible, you and I have to understand that you and I, we have a debt to God. We've broken his laws, his rules, his commandments, and now we might not even know some of the things that we've done and so or know some of the commands that we've broken but the truth is ignorance is no excuse and when we break his laws bottom line we sin and now we are indebted to God okay so the question is like well how big is our debt well I had somebody explain it to me like this okay you need to think about your sin the way that God thinks about it because sin is anything that you do say or think that is wrong according to God so that means Anytime you do something that you know you shouldn't do it, anytime that you say a curse word or say something mean, or anytime you think a lustful thought, you have sinned. Anytime you do any of those things. Okay, well, now that you understand that, how many times do you think you sin a day on average? Yeah. Now, so think about how many times, maybe a better question is this, how many times does the person sitting next to you sin every day, do you think? No, don't answer that out loud either. Okay, but let's just say, let's just say, let's just say, on, let's just say for the sake of this illustration, let's just say that you, on average, you only sin three times a day, just three. Now, I know some of you, that's being a little generous, but let's just say on average, it's only three times a day, okay? In a year... That's about a thousand sins a year, right? Now, the average person in our area is about 35 years old. Let's just go ahead, if we, let's just discount the first five years of life because you know, you're so young, probably didn't know what you're doing, although there'd be plenty of moms that would argue that, no, no, my five-year-old's sinning and they know it. Like, <laughs> but 
let's just discount that. So we've got about 30 years of sin that's accumulated at a thousand sins a year. Now we're racking up about 30,000 sins and we're adding to it every single day. Now that is a huge amount of indebtedness to God, isn't it? So how do we pay that back? Well, now, our first thought is, well, I'll, I'll pay that back by, by doing some good deeds. Because if I do some good deeds, like, that'll cancel it out. I'll, I'll pay God back. But that's not how it works. Because good deeds don't cancel out bad deeds. Because, listen, God expects you to do good deeds as your normal part of life. That should be normal. And so that doesn't repay anything we've ever done. In fact, by the way, how can you possibly repay someone for something that you've done wrong to them. You know, for instance, if someone was to murder someone in your immediate family, how could they pay you back for that? If they said, you know what, I'm gonna do some good deeds, I'm gonna go out and do some community service and that will pay you back. I mean, does that pay you back for murdering someone in your family? I mean, does that make you feel any better that they're out doing community service? Does that bring that person back? Does that fix your family? No, because you can't pay, they can't pay you back by doing good. In the same way, you can't pay God back by doing good. That's not how it works. And God knows this. And God knows that the only way for your sin debt to be paid back to him is if God simply forgives your indebtedness to him. And that's why God offers. He offers to cancel your sin debt. Look what the Bible says in Romans 5, 8. It says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God knows that you have no ability to repay him for all the things that you've done, said, or thought that are wrong. But, because God is also just, he has a sense of justice that must be satisfied, someone has to pay your sin debt for you. God just can't simply say, ah, oh, it's forgiven. No, no, because he's also just, somebody's got to pay. That's why God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus Christ to this earth to die on a cross so that his death could pay the price for your sin, and now he merely awaits for you to accept his son's sacrifice, and that offer of forgiveness. So have you ever done that? Have you ever accepted that sacrifice for forgiveness? Now listen, the expectation is, is that out of a sense of gratitude that you would live your life for Jesus, that you would live your life for him. So have you ever asked God to forgive your sin debt for you? Listen, by the way, if you have done that before, you don't need to do it again because once God forgives your sin debt, like it's forgiven, you don't have to keep asking. It's done. But if you've never done that before, you're not sure you've ever done that before, listen, there's a sample prayer. It's in your bulletin notes. It's on the back. If you've never prayed that prayer to become a Christ follower, please, 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 please pray it today. Get your sin debt with God canceled. He's willing to forgive you, but you have to ask. And the expectation is that you follow Christ. Okay, now, 
Let's get back to what Paul says about us forgiving other people, okay? He says that we're to forgive others just the way that God forgives us through Christ. So this is how God thinks about forgiveness. So this is your, the big fill-in of the day. Here it is. God says this. He says, since I forgave your debt through Jesus, so you should forgive others' debts because of Jesus. Because I forgave your sin debt through Jesus, you should forgive other people's debts because of Jesus. See, we need to adjust our thinking about forgiveness the way that God thinks about forgiveness. And here's how God thinks about it. Remember, God thinks about it in terms of a debt-debtor relationship. That means that when Jesus on the cross paid for my sin, paid for your sin, God said to me, hey, your debt's canceled. And so in the very same way, because of what Jesus did, we ought to be willing to forgive other people their debt to us. And God gives us the cross as a reminder that this is my new standard of forgiving. This is how I forgive people. And I need to have that image firmly embedded in my life and in my heart because that's the way I'm supposed to do it. Now, here is where most people mess up forgiveness, okay? Because look, there are two steps to biblical forgiveness, two. I'm going to give them to you. Here they are. Here's the first. I need to determine what they owe me. I've got to determine what they owe me. I mean, I cannot, look, I cannot tell you how important this is. Because look, you cannot forgive a debt that you have not defined. One of the smartest things that you could do, one of the wisest things you could do is you could spend the time to ask yourself, what is it that that person owes me? What, what has that person taken from me? Look, and you need to, you need to think about it until you can define it. And you need to define it in terms of an opportunity missed or something that was stolen. It, you gotta, it's got to be in terms of something that creates debt, okay? Um, I made a list of some possibilities to kind of get you thinking down that road. Here we go. My parents split up, and they stole from me the opportunity to grow up with a complete family. He stole from me part of my childhood. And if that's you, that means that you saw and you experienced some things that no child should ever see or experience. She stole from me the opportunity to finish with the person I began marriage with. It's huge. That person stole from me the opportunity to make a certain amount of money. That person stole from me my reputation. My ex stole from me the opportunity to put my kids to bed every night. Look, and if that's you, I mean, that, I know, that can be a deep pain because every time you walk into that empty apartment, every time you walk by that empty bedroom, it is a deep pain for you because you realize that they are with your ex and not with you. And that is so hard. Most people skip this step. But look, you cannot forgive a debt that you have not taken the time to define. 
So you have to take the time. And look, that's why those feelings, despite saying you're forgiven, you're forgiven, that's why those feelings of anger and bitterness and resentment continue to persist because you've never defined what it is that's been stolen, what it is that's been taken, what it is that's created the debt. You have to do that. Okay, then you move to the second point, or the, the second step. Second step is this, is that I need to decide they don't owe me any longer. Look, this is a step. This is where you finally find freedom. This is where you finally find closure, where you'll finally be able to heal from wounds. So here's what you got to do. You have to go take an index card, take a piece of paper, whatever that is, and you need to write their name on the top of that card or top of that paper, and you, then underneath it, you need to write what it is they owe you. I mean, spell it out, write it out, exactly what it is they owe you. Then fold that up, put that in that envelope, seal it, and then on the front of that envelope, write these words right, you don't owe me any longer. And then you go shred it, or you burn it, or you do whatever it is you need to with it. I'm telling you, that's what you have to do. And, and you might say, oh, but my, 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 that's letting them off the hook because they, they, they owe me. You know what, you're right. They, they do owe you. But they're not the ones that are on the hook. You are. Because that unforgiveness has a hook in your heart. And you will not be able to get that hook out until you finally, truly forgive them. See, they're fine. Probably, they're just bumping along through life. They're doing a-okay. You're the one that's torn up by all this unforgiveness. So you know what? Why not choose to be free? Why not choose to just cancel the debt and forgive them? Yes, they owe you. I get that. But just choose, choose to forgive them. Why give them power over your life any longer? Look, here's the thing. Un- holding on to unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison, hoping the other person is going to die. It's true. So why not just forgive? And by the way, have you figured out that they can't pay you back anyway? I mean, if that person showed up at your doorstep today, and they came to you and they said, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for everything. It was all me. I did it. I take full responsibility. It was none of you. It was all me. Please forgive me. What can I do to pay you back? If you think about it long enough, you'll realize they can't pay you back because that person can't go back and restore all of those years of misery. That person can't go back and be your friend again all those years ago. That person can't go back and restore all of those years of marriage that were lost. He can't go back and be your daddy again. She can't go back and be your mommy again. He can't go back and go to all those birthday parties and games that he missed. That person can't go back and restore all of those years of friendship that were lost. And so, why would you hold a debt over someone's head that they cannot pay back anyway? When you have the amazing opportunity 
to do what your heavenly father did to you and you can just say, you don't owe me any more. Debt canceled. Just like God said to me on the cross, he said to me, Mike, you owe me a debt that you cannot possibly repay, and so I'm going to pay it for you. And so for, so you, God says, you don't owe me any more. Debt canceled. The point of this whole series is that the changes that God has started in us, we want them to last and not just merely, you know, evaporate when we walk out of church. And so I asked asked you to wear your Inside Out shirt today, and I I see that a lot of you have. Um, So here's what I want you to do. And if you don't have an Inside Out shirt, then go get one in the lobby today. This is the last day that you can get them, and and then once they're gone, they're gone. Um, But I want you to today... I want you to go take a selfie with your shirt on. And maybe you're with, as a family you want to take a selfie, but either way, I want you to take a selfie, and then I want you to post on Facebook, and if you post on Facebook, tag Parkway Fellowship, or post on um, Twitter, and if you do that, use the church's Twitter handle, at the Park Church, and um, that way we're included in that. And I want you to post a picture of yourself, and then a one sentence, maybe two if you want to, but a uh, Um, one sentence about what God has shown you, taught you, or changed in you during this Inside Out series. How God has changed you from the inside. And then here's the beauty of this. If If we do this, then in one day, we will all get to see all of the amazing things that God has done in so many lives and so many people, and how God is changing us from the inside out. And Whenever you're in your, go to your closet and you're reaching for a t-shirt and you pull this t-shirt out, I want you to take, take just a moment and I want you to whisper a prayer to God and say, God, thank you. Thank you for changing me from the inside out. Just whisper that quick prayer. Let's all pray together. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. on the cross because of Jesus and that you looked at me and on that day that I said yes to you, you said to me, you don't owe me any more. Debt canceled. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you would help all of us do that for other people and that we would be free. That we would be free. We could, we could just put down all that anger, all that stuff that's been fueling all of that bitterness and resentment for years. We could put it all down because of what you've done for us. And I ask that you would help us use the cross as our new standard of forgiving, and that would be the thing that, we, that comes to our mind, and you'll bring it to our mind all the time. I love you, Father. I love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for us all, and it's in your amazing name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, 
Find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.